We have a uh, yeah, button we, thing. Yeah, we get to start up. Oh, right. that's okay. I, I'm going to tell I'm gonna, we're going to start this podcast over, but i got to tell you guys, Oliver and I, we just had a great 10-minute conversation. <laughs> well, that was <laughs> just a warm-up. Play us in, Oliver. Okay, I'll play, I'll play the abbreviated in. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. There you go. That's it. Thank you, Oliver. Oh, you guys, I missed recording a, a way longer and, and more, more. And I think you were really kind of struggling to get it through. So, but anyway, uh, hey, everybody, this is James A. Willis, and this is James A. Willis Reads uh, Fretboard Journal. And I've got my very special friend, Oliver Wood, here today with me. Um, I've known Oliver for a while now, and uh, wow, what a great guy to. To, to be around we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh fretboard journal issue number 29 a little bit okay and yep, that's um, a good one and uh here we go again but uh now i i you know i just was talking to you earlier yeah. about where Let's you're recap. from and everything but yeah. i think you you can give me a little bit of that again oh i don't mind at all i don't mind at all um so uh i'm originally from southern california i was born in pasadena california right uh and Age 10, moved to Boulder, Colorado. Uh, age 18, moved out to California, in and out of school. Uh, ended up in Atlanta, Georgia as a 20-year-old and basically lived in Atlanta for 23 years. And then since then, Nashville. Moved to Nashville about five years ago. Well, I, you know, <clears throat> I, that doesn't surprise me nearly as much as it did the first time you told me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That makes, yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. perfect sense. So, I wish yeah. I could have made it sound more surprising just to throw, throw you no. a curve, but I yeah. forgot. Yeah, that no, was good. <laughs> well, I, and I think, uh, you know, like I was saying to you earlier, uh, I, I feel like you're like a Georgia boy, you know, and maybe that's because of the the Atlanta connection. Or I feel like a know? Georgia, or I feel like a half Southerner. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've married a Southern. Uh, uh, a Georgia peach. Yeah. And, uh, Studio Mama yep. over at uh, Southern Ground. Yeah. And, uh, and I have a lot of friends there and a lot of, in, a lot of my biggest influences and my mentors and tormentors all come from Georgia. A lot mentors of Mentors and tormentors. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I don't have any current tormentors. Yeah, well, you need them once in a while. Yeah, I, know. I know. Well, you know, I, I have to, so Oliver is over here at the Secret Studio in Nashville and, and, so some of you have been over here, I think. In fact, maybe all of you are listening. All all four of you have been over here, <laughs> or at least saying you're listening. Y'all better be listening. I'm going to start saying stuff specifically to people so that I'll know if they listen. Oh, that's good. But anyway, good idea. The, the secret studio can get kind of noisy during the day because there's some construction nearby, yeah. and, and and I uh, I'm feeling a little guilty right now because it's so incredibly quiet in here. Yeah, all for because, you. Yeah, because I just basically walked over and asked them if they could be quiet for a minute and shut down a work site. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering why they did it, but I, I'm glad oh, they man, did it. Oh, man, you have yeah. to be a diva sometimes. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So, and and now I, I've, I've totally lost my train of thought. But so so anyway, Oliver's over here, and we're going to uh, – you, you took a look at uh, issue number 29, and you mentioned that it, it – caught your eye with david hidalgo immediately caught my eye yeah. uh, david hidalgo and um <clears throat> so you know my musical background goes back to just hearing my dad play folk songs 
uh, around the house and then me digging through me and my brother digging through his record collection and and finding uh, all kinds of stuff that was from from folk music to blues to rock and roll and and um, so late you know after going through my blues phase and my jazz phase and my Zeppelin phase and my Hendrix phase and all those <clears throat> all those phases um, there was Los Lobos this band Los oh, Lobos God. that to me had all that stuff in it amazing you know man. it had all like American music uh, kind of mixed together in the coolest way and I think that was one of the bands that really opened my eyes to like the idea of like combining traditional things with your own soul you know traditional putting your own soul and your own personality into something traditional and making it a new recipe of some kind yeah so when they first when did they first hit the scene because i remember i was just so bl- i think when they hit the scene I, my head was all like rem and the b-52s and all of a sudden it was lost lobos and I yeah was like, what well, the it, hell i i don't i remember i was in, in college in california and uh which didn't last very long but while i was there i had some really good influences as far as people with musical tastes that i that affected me and yeah uh so early to mid 80s i think mid 80s is when los lobos kind of got became darlings of rolling stone and critics choice type of people but they never got really huge but yeah um but i think that's one of those bands that's been around they were playing weddings since they were kids and they've been around forever and they still play and i've actually gotten the chance to meet them and even play with them a tiny bit and just to me it's my favorite it's my favorite a uh, band. If you, if you if I had to pick one band, like an American yeah. band, that's just the, the best. It's funny that I don't. It's a band that I don't think about enough. I don't think because whenever I come across them in one of my playlists or I hear one of their songs or something, it just boy, just you know, just cut you right to the. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to listen to. It's layered. Yeah. It's complex. It's yeah. well done. It's tight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, but like you said, it's a little off of the radar. So. Yeah, well, he's just that guy. David yeah. has an amazing voice for one thing. I just recognize his voice right off the bat, and that's yeah. that's kind of one of the things about artists. A lot of times, like you can just recognize their style, whether it's visual or whether yeah. you're listening to it or you're reading it. It's like you can just tell. Oh, that's a yeah. that's a James A. Willis painting right there, or that's yeah. a David Hidalgo song. Because you can just hear his his voice, and I think it's a sign it's, of an artist. It, it's it's one of those funny things. That <clears throat> I think that maybe how you know how you talked to me about how you thought they'd been playing together and playing weddings for a long time, but yeah, I think musically, I know it's true artistically visually because I've watched it occur over and over again and that's this sort of rush to coming up with a sound and mm-hmm. and I it's so like I because I'm a visual artist my whole life and I'm a, and I'm around a wave of artists I either had young much younger artists working for me in in New right. York or or like now my my own kids you know who yeah. are both very visually creative yeah but but I watched this thing happen to them early on in their formative phases where there's this press to come up with an original voice. Yeah. And I think 
I think it's a little bit of a problem because it would be like you know if you if you if I went to university to learn how to write poetry. Yeah. It, the difference in musically and poetically is that when I go to class the first day, nobody says, okay, here are the great poems. Now, before you start writing your own poems, invent a total new language. Right, right. So it's like so you're talking about added thing that happens so you're with talking musicians about, and artists. That, right, that, so you're talking that, about like a press to, in, to create your own yeah. voice consciously consciously yeah as, as opposed, opposed to, to just being yourself <laughs> and, and well and not even maybe not even just being yourself but just you know if you play music for a few years mm-hmm. and you listen to yourself eventually you'll start to sound like yourself right and you know it's just like if you draw for you know 10 years but it takes a long time absolutely it takes a long time and you and you you spent you spend some time emulating and imitating and that's yeah i think it's a normal process yeah it's tricky though yeah it's a scary thing i'm glad i don't have to go through it again and i I know you said you know i don't know that any i think maybe there are some things that i do that people might look at it and say oh james willis did that but i'm all over the place that's a part of i kind of let that go i said maybe yeah you know, people aren't going to nest. Like, I don't not do it because it doesn't look like it would sound like me. Right, right. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you I mean. I just go ahead and do it. Yeah, and, no, and that's the thing. Yeah. I think that, I think people just do it, and that's them, and that that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, I mean, anybody that I've seen, musical artists, the ones that just, like, my favorite quote, I think, is, I think this is Thelonious Monk, but he said, the best artist is the one who is most like himself, or his his is most yeah. himself. And I probably butchered it a little bit, but it's that makes so much sense to me. Like, when you see somebody doing their thing, and they just, you're like, nobody else is like that, you know? And for some reason, you can just see their soul easier than you can see yeah. someone who's really good at something, but, but it's, it's oh, all... Yeah. You know, there's well, I mean, more to it than being technically good, obviously. I mean, how, how often, it, you know, the world, I think, has quite a lot of people who are quite technically good at a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. But there's definitely something that's missing a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I find it really interesting to hang out with you because I've not, I've not, I don't think I've had a lot of other artists from different uh, mediums to, to talk to about just yeah. the creative thing. Yeah. And it's really cool to talk about because there's a lot of similarities. We all have, there's these basic things, but then there's fundamental things. Even within one medium, people approach things differently. Like we talked about, uh, you know, imagining something in your head that you want to create and then you do it and it comes out maybe it comes out differently like for me i think of that all the time like it's right. just it's i gotta just let it come out because i'm i'm not in control i try to right. tell myself i'm not in control right what it looks like to me is you've got it mapped out in your head and you at some point you gain control earlier than i do that's what it looks like in a different way like maybe you, the difference is is that <clears throat> you're when you when you're exploring a song you have to explore it sonically so you're leaving a trail. That's so in other true. words, if you start, if you decide you want to write a song today, and you start it one way, right, you're going to make music and make sounds and explore it, and it's going to leave it, its fingerprint. Right. Um, if I think right. I want to make something, uh, by the by the time you see me painting, right, 
You've already been through that. Work. Yeah, so I forget about so, that so, sometimes. So by the time I'm, yeah. So it's not like you get halfway if, through and you crumple no. it up and start over. You're like committing I, I, stuff I, I, that's I know, already in your I head. I know where I'm headed. It definitely yeah. changes and moves around. That's kind of analogous to like being in the studio and like writing a song in the studio that you've never, like, which I rarely do. Usually uh, that sounds scary to me. It's happened a couple of times by necessity, but... Most of the time, you know, you're working things out. I could work on a song for two years yeah. before recording it. So it's it's that kind of process. It's like you can do it's demos a, and all that a, stuff. So. A, but the songwriting process is such a mysterious thing to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's I don't, totally it just, mysterious. Yeah, I mean, it's totally mysterious, and I really... I'm amazed, like, at people who are super prolific, like... I met a guy the other day. He's like, "Yeah, I wrote 250 songs last year," and I've, I haven't heard the songs. But I was like, "I think I wrote 10 in two years, or something like." Yeah. I mean, I don't have that, so it amazes me. A great book that is amazing is called "Songwriters on Songwriting." I can't remember if I, I have, showed it to I've, you or if I've I told read you. I've that book. Yeah, it's and it's so yeah. cool just to hear. That's basically. All the iconic songwriters that we love, from from Dylan to Tom Petty to yeah. uh, Tin Pan Alley writers and stuff, all of them basically talking about the same thing, and it's really interesting. They feel the same way. Like there's, they all have different methods, but but when it comes down to it, they still admit the total mystery and lack of control that they have over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's the interesting part. I saw. I was watching. Uh, I don't uh, some interview and Elvis Costello was mm. on it mm-hmm. and uh, you know you you know you love Elvis or you hate him I yeah. think I I'm think a it's, fan yeah, yeah me too I'm a yeah. fan and, and 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 his music's been a a part of my life for a long time I think if you're a songwriter and you get one song into people's consciousness you've basically put the tip of your right. pyramid in their head and they can right. <laughs> they can go all the way to the bottom if they want to but right. hopefully that's a good way to put yeah. it and and hopefully each piece of uh, hope hope if if each piece of music that you write is the the leading edge of all the songs you've ever written right so like if you think about it like that you know you've right. you've written a you know one 10 hour long song right, right. but right. i gotta but if, tell you while i'm thinking about it, i love the image of sticking my pyramid into someone's head yeah so i'm gonna remember yeah, that, that it works doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah and it totally then sometimes it can go in a little farther. and the more it goes right. in the more, the more they get. get yeah exactly but as long as at the tip of that iceberg at the yep. tip of that pyramid yep. as long as the very tip of that pyramid is, yep. is, have what, access. is what you're doing if what you're doing today is is intense and you believe in it right then in effect right you're, if they get more that's great right. If they right. never get more than that one thing, it's the it's the leading edge of what you're doing. So yeah. you know. Yeah. It should be it should be good. Yeah. So I like um, that. It might hurt a little too though. Oh yeah, it can be painful. Yeah. yeah. Pyramids are sharp. So now, yeah, I'm gonna jump back to this fretboard journal for a minute. And I know I know you, I've seen a video of you playing in their studio. Yep, they have a studio in Seattle, I believe. And yeah. um and you know, as touring musicians oftentimes we make stops at cool places like that right. where they they uh are looking for people to come in there and do stuff and i i uh think i've been there twice so it's good yeah, people and, and, and you know at first we were i i think uh when the way this whole podcast started was me reading in the car <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know jason the publisher of fretboard journal had, 
had commented. I posted a picture of it, and he said, don't read and drive. And uh-huh. I was like, all right, I'm just going to start reading the magazine. I've yet to actually read the magazine, although, <laughs> uh, although Sam, I mean, read it on, you know, the podcast. But right. but uh, Sam Lewis stayed with us on Tybee and uh, um, with his, his guitar player, and, and we sang one of the articles. Oh, that's a great so, idea. Yeah, it was really kind of weird. So That's great. But, but I was just jumping back to the to the book for a second before we got too away from too far away from David Hidalgo because mm-hmm. what the funny thing that <clears throat> sticks to me in this um in this article about him is the picture of his pedal board set up. Oh, I didn't see that yet. Yeah. How do you ever weed through all these options? Do you mm, do you yeah. get sucked into you know like the you know next new thing? The or next do you new have, thing. Absolutely. Do you have a couple you know of what? Sales? I definitely went through that's a cool question. Uh I definitely, like I'm sure a lot of other people, went through phases where, uh, where yeah, I just wanted something shiny and new and something that had the latest sound. And um, and I think over the years, I, I found this pa- found that I had a pattern going of just kind of always going back to my funky old crappy guitar or right. just something that I paid two hundred dollars for and. And I, I've now I know myself, and I know, you know, I really just like old guitars. I think I like guitars and amps that are older than me. Yeah, yeah. Which is 50, about fifty years old or yeah. or older. For some reason, oh, yeah. I just can't get enough of those. Yeah. And I've had people offer cool, beautiful guitars. And I'm now I'm just like I, I just not gonna go there because I. I'm just a snob about it or something, but yeah. somehow I gotta feel the no, spirit no, it, in the guitar, you yeah, know. No, yeah. And you can it, you it, can smell it. Like I like this musty smell. That's yeah. another thing. I wish I could hold it up to the yeah. mic and you could get pass off the smell. There may be some way to do that. There's, I'll look into it. Maybe I can. There's probably a, a way to do a it. File or something. But that, something about that musty smell actually, of an old instrument. It's. Whew. No, I think that's an invention. What if we? What if we? Like, what if you said just now, hey, you know. I love the smell of this. Yeah, take a And I could upload a file. You know, yeah. they have 3D printers? Yeah. Well, what if instead of having a 3D printer, I had a printer that was made up of different odors? Yeah. And and you, I could upload a file, and then somebody could download it into their printer, and they could hit and what it. Would the, what would the, the, <laughs> you, yeah. uh, the analog to the speaker, what would it, the speaker be? It, it would be yeah. a little output thing but yeah, yeah as long as you didn't yeah. use that for for evil oh, it would well, be that's good what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm, i have no idea what my brother would say to me, i'll definitely let you monica prank answer that one yeah. <laughs> oh, daryl's calling the smell printer <laughs> the smell the smell printer see that's what it is it's yeah. a smell printer it's, let's see it's not a smell printer it's a smell but like smell what? Emulate. The smell, smell emulator. Smell emulator. Yeah. The, the smell emulation the transfer. Modeling, smell modeling. Smell modeling. Modeling yeah. is big now. Yeah. But you'd have to have yeah. a smell microphone, a special microphone and smell speaker. Yeah. 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 Sniffer. The smell printer. Yeah. Smell printer is my favorite now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to your old cars. There's a... a yeah, they suit you, man. They totally well, suit you. Something about yeah. it. I just feel... It feels good. And, yeah. and I like... And it doesn't mean it has to be an expensive guitar either. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the coolest ones are just these cheapo ones that you find that just yeah. something about them. There's only one they, of a kind. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I agree. And one of yours is here. Yeah. You got to get that today because I've I've been I I love I've loved having it here and it's actually <laughs> really cool. But I've but I've you know 
You guys wouldn't know this, but sometimes the studio here in Nashville becomes like basically outside. I mean, right. you know, all that, it, hey, the elements it'll freeze, or yeah. you know, it'll do like there will be no heat, or yeah. it'll you know I'll come in and it'll be like it, I know there are a big front window in the front of the studio, <laughs> and, and it's like. If you accidentally leave something out there, it, it, it it's might like get, a, yeah. well, it just roasted. Yeah, yeah. You know, so oh, it gets yeah. like eight thousand degrees up there. And, <clears throat> right. You know, it'll be like you know things will just be like petrified right. and bleached and right. everything else. Well, but anyway, you that guitar this, was free to yeah, me, what, so I, I have, have I like any to, idea what it is because it uh, looks like it was spray painted. Oh black, yeah, it's just some, it's just a mutt. It's like some old little parlor guitar, and I recorded it. I, I recorded the one song that you did the video yep, for. I, yep. It's once been recorded, but yep. it could just now live on a wall and be happy, probably, and yeah. just be a piece of art. Yeah, it's really cool. I like it a lot, and you know, it's funny too. I picked it up yesterday, and I was like, for some, you know, certain things people say to you sometimes stick in your head, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know why, but it's just one of the things, mm-hmm. and. And I and I picked the picked the guitar up and 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 uh, and I was like, oh my god, you know, I wonder if I should change these strings for Oliver. I only thought that for a second because then I thought I'm not touching his guitar. But <laughs> but but because I remember you said to me one time that sometimes you know you'll loan somebody a guitar or something and you get it back yeah. and the strings are all Some rusted. people have corrosive uh, <laughs> yeah. emissions and I'm from like, their oh, hands. Man, yeah. I hope I didn't do that. So now I'm not worried about it. Yeah. No, I already checked it since I was here to oh, see god. if I needed to charge you, but we're good. That was close. We we're good. Man. That was close. That is a thing, though. Among I bet I bet. Uh, if there are some listeners to this podcast that who play guitar, they probably know about. They know somebody who has wrecked their strings. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, I wonder if it's maybe somebody that eats too much salt or something. It like might that. be a dietary yeah. thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Gen X. So, so now I want to talk about your your new. We talked about the video a little bit, but I'm wondering, can we talk about your? your your new record just a little sure, bit sure so i mean i love it man i love thank it you. i love your music so much and i'm always preaching about you and and thank you yeah and and so what uh did that just come about naturally or did you guys sort of set out to do it or was it something you pieced together from work you'd done over the year of touring um, or something well yeah, it was more to, more like that, and and for the first time, really, because I think a lot of folks, uh, including us, have a, a a pattern where, as a touring musician, you know, you spend most of your time touring, and over the year, you write a bunch of songs. Maybe over two years, seems like a pretty average amount of time between albums is about two years, although it varies. Some people are quicker or slower, but. But most of us, we, we write as many songs as we can and work on them and work on them. And then we block out a couple of weeks in the studio and we try to try to make a record. Yeah. And uh, and that is a very common practice. And I've done it every time except for this new record. And Chris and I, my brother, we always had a fantasy of, uh, of making a record one song at a time over the span of a year huh. and just writing a song and then just recording that song um, or writing two songs and going in the studio for a day and a half and doing those two songs or whatever but really not feeling the normal pressure and compromise that comes with that other model because yeah. that other model you you it's like you're trying to fit in you're watching the clock you're yeah, um, yeah. And you're maybe compromising things like all the songs don't get enough love sometimes. And so this way it felt like each song was its own little album. And uh, 
you know, and we did it in a more economical way than we we used to. Like we went to a more modest studio uh, price wise, and we went to we re- produce it ourselves. We have to pay a producer. We have our own little record label, so we're not. You know, worried about owing somebody money back nobody's asking us how's it coming or right. or you know can I, i'd like to hear something um so it's very like uh, liberating to do it that way huh. so i think it, it makes sense too yeah really. it makes more, it's i never fun. thought about it before <clears throat> until just then how you know it's it's this idea of taking something that's taken you a year to to think up yeah. and then having a window to execute it right and and that window is is running a, a cash register yeah you know i mean it's yeah i never thought about it that yeah, way it's a, lot, always, a lot of things yeah. about it and 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 the idea that you can be independent i mean there's a lot to be said for that it's awesome to be on a record and we've done the thing where you're on a record label they give you money and it's plenty of money to do what you need to do and you're, you're like excited about it but somehow that affects the process yeah in a way that that it's, it's very subconscious but uh it's kind of nice to do it very independently and feel like you're uh you know if you if you screw up nobody's gonna be mad at you yeah um and by the same token you you just let the inspiration come out and see what happens so i think i think it's it's i th- i think any i've i think it would always be a difficult situation for me to be in where I had been paid too much right. beforehand. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, there's absolutely. something about eating ramen fried noodles that'll yeah. get you up your ass too. Absolutely. You know? absolutely. So. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, learning a lot about that lately, like the what motivates us, you know, like it's not it's good when it's not money and it and it, yeah. oftentimes it really isn't money when it comes down to it you know unless you're just yeah. starving but so, you know it's interesting to me about making art that way too is that uh or for instance making our record you know a lot of times when you think of the great albums that we are think of as iconic albums and and how just perfect one song goes into the next yeah. and and you think god they must have just they did that perfectly they, they must have and and i i really think there's a lot of just accidents or just it, it happens there's a lot of subconscious brilliance that happens and i think like i, I remember maybe our management or somebody just saying, I don't know, are all these songs, how do we know these songs are going to fit together or whatever? And I mean, I'm sure I even had that doubt. It's like, I've never yeah. done this before. How, how is this, how are these going to go together? We did them all in different studios and different people worked on them and different times of, of the season. And it's like, you know, you, you think you want it to be homogenous somehow. Right. Um, but I think, Things, things like that really work themselves out in a way that you don't really have control of. You could just think it to death and just ruin it. So, yeah. And I, I like that aspect of it. It's just, you know, I bet you so many of the things that we think are brilliant just happen, just yeah. float out. You know, you listen yeah. to, uh, there's a great interview with Bob Dylan from like 60 Minutes. It must have been back in the 80s or something. And he just talks about, they're like, could you ever be as amazing as you were in whenever late 60s or mid 60s you know and he was like no i wasn't i don't even know how that happened he was, he really was humble and he was just like that was not even me trying to do anything right. it's just you know it'll yeah, never just, happen again just flowed through yeah yeah so i want to talk to you about um 
uh, Carl Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. So this is know, a this is a great time to talk about him. His his birthday is on Tuesday. Wow. Uh, which is also his death day because he died on his birthday last year. Man, the, so it's already been almost a year. The, it's, the stories around that guy, I don't even know where mm-hmm. to start. I don't even know where to ask it you to start. It would take hours. Yeah. It would take hours. But yeah, yeah well, I, I, we start I, anywhere. I, I, I tell you, I'm gonna, let, let's give people a, a broad stroke of who Colonel Bruce is if you don't know. Because if you don't know, if yeah. you do know, you totally know. Yeah. If you don't know, you should know. Yeah. Uh, well, well, so, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm so so. Colonel Bruce Hampton is a uh, musician from from Georgia who passed away about a year ago, uh, and he is known as much more than a musician. Uh, but he has been sort of a stalwart of the Atlanta music scene um, since. Uh, I think he played at the Atlanta Pop Festival, which was in late maybe '69. So he's had a band, and many incarnations of a band from then until last year. Right. Uh, and his he's maybe best known among in the music world uh, for uh, he had a band, the Aquarium Rescue Unit, which was right. in the '90s, and you know had had uh O'Teal Burbridge in it and Jimmy Herring and Jeff Sipe and all guys who went off to to do all kinds of stuff play with widespread panic grateful dead you name it um so his thing though is way beyond music i think he became sort of this fascinating mentor to a lot of us uh uh uh, and I, it's Im- almost impossible to explain, but he just had this certain personality where uh, he knew uh, he knew all kinds of stuff, and you just wondered how he knew it. Like uh, he was somehow you couldn't tell if it was all a scam or if he was just a genius. And uh, I'm just a little Mark Twainish. So Mark Twainish, there's some James Willis in him. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, but I think the the coolest thing he did. Uh, really was just rub off on people uh i don't know what i got from him just not to take yourself too seriously but to be really serious about your art you know but not take yourself too seriously and uh and at the same time he was this kind of trickster guy who was just he could he had this thing where he could guess birthdays that was maybe one thing he was really well known for and he you know over 61% 61% of the time he could guess someone's birthday. Wow. <clears throat> but he also like was a, an amazing numbers person. Like he knew every baseball statistic. He could just open a book on baseball st- stats and, uh, and name any old bass player. And he knew all their batting averages and just weird Yeah, st- that's an stuff. unusual um, Real unusual that, stuff. Yeah. And heard he was a really good gambler. Like he could just... He knew numbers. He understood things yeah, like that. Yeah, sounds like a card counter. Um, but he's problem. also this sweet old goofball, you know, that just people just love being around him. He's out laughing and joking and giving people nicknames and yeah. just a great. I wish great I could have met him. I wish you could have too. The, the, you know what? I I I don't want to glorify that story too much, uh, but I do want to. You know. I, anyway, the story is that last year. Uh, Colonel Bruce had his seventh, 70th birthday and played a big concert and he, he sadly passed away on stage um, uh, 
in the final encore singing his favorite song by Bobby Blue Bland. And, uh, and it was a really heavy, sad thing, but it was also, uh, you know, if you knew him, it just was somehow, there was some poetic perfection about it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's even interviews of him in the sixties, you know, saying that would be the ultimate way to go. So yeah. it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, it's, you could easily think, wow, he just pulled off the ultimate stunt, you know? Yeah. Uh, in, a very, in a very, maybe a little bit more positive way, but just someone who's like, he, he's like, you know, don't, uh, it's, it's, it's his, his idea of success and happiness was the right thing. It was not fame and, and yeah. glory. It was more doing what you love and being good at it and serious at it. And, yeah. and for him also being a teacher and a mentor, like yeah. that's what the, the, the big thing he's, influenced so many people he's like known for like hiring young amazing musicians and sort of teaching them less about music but more just about life and just the psychology of being an artist and and uh and almost breaking people of you know getting them outside of their box like i have a friend um who played drums with him for years tyler and there's a great story of at one point he just only let tyler tyler use i think a snake kick and snare or at one point he got him this little baby drum kit and they said you have to play next this next month with this baby drum kit um but there's all kinds of things like that he just would come up with crazy rules or things just to challenge people and get them out of their box and and almost make things make you realize how absurd the whole thing is and that there's no reason to be stressed out about it or yeah. or uh, egotistical or anything so if, if you're talking about like the buddha or somebody you figure yo he knows he knows what's going on yeah but with bruce you just wondered if it ended up being that we'll never know if he knew right you know what i mean yeah but uh the thing is he did do those things and he might have just thought it was a funny, goofy thing to do. Yeah. But so my point is, did he know? Was he just being himself? And and his uh, and sh- and by by example, showing you how to right. be, or was he consciously training you for something? It was almost yeah. like he was only subconsciously doing this and just being yeah. himself, which was this kind of silly but somehow amazing I, guy. So. That uh, what time you got? It's time to go. Is it two thirty? Yeah. No. Oh no. 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 It's not two thirty. It's it's about seven until two. Oh, then I got. Yeah. I got. I. Yeah. I just thought of something that we, is interesting been going to me. For a while though. Oh yeah, we're way over. You yeah. have to cut. You're gonna have to cut it <laughs> yeah. down in post production. Yeah. I, I, I still got to thank my sponsors. I don't have any sponsors. Okay. Yeah. I'll play. I'll yeah. play out. You want me to? Yeah, man. Yeah. You can thank your sponsors over it. I'm going to thank my sponsors to do it right now. I'd like to thank Air and Water for helping me to get through this day. I'd like to thank Gravity for helping to keep our chairs on the on the second floor of the Secret Studio. I'd like to thank the Rain for coming in right here at the end of the podcast in its gentle and subtle way. I'd like to thank the guys next door for turning off their grinders for the last 45 minutes. And lastly, I'd like to thank my ability to be thankful for bringing my good friend Oliver Wood here to the studio today. Uh, It's been a great talk, and uh, thanks to you guys for joining us. Uh, If you want to find out more about Oliver Wood, 
Googling him. And uh, check out the Wood Brothers and their new music. And thank me later. All right, you guys. Take care. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks, James.